Again, thanks for being here. I think this is really, really important. I'm so blessed uh, that you're here. Uh, God is doing something really, God is beginning to do something really, really significant, important. Glad you're here. Um, is Neil Murakami here by any chance? Where's Neil Murakami? He's hiding again? He's outside? Okay. I think, is it Neil Murakami's birthday? Huh? No? Yeah, that's why he's not here. I don't know why this popped in my mind. Was it, was it recent? Huh? Later. End of the month. Okay, I knew it was, I don't know what, what yeah, not that I really care, but I mean, just popped in my mind. <laughs> you know, um, God is, God is, God is calling us to, to something great that goes beyond ourselves. God is calling us to something that is so important that, that, that he wants us to walk in the purpose for why we were all created. Okay. Think about that. Okay. God created each one of us with a reason for a reason and a purpose. Right? What is that reason and purpose? Part of the reason you're here today Part of the reason you're part of this body here is because there's a reason and a purpose for you to be here. Um, and so often, and what I, when I look at the church in America, we are so, we are so powerless. When I think about the church here in America, what I, what I see and hear is that there's so much fighting, so much challenges, and, and, and we don't really see the presence and the power of God in a very, very real way. When I look at China, when I look at Nigeria, when I look at even Iran now, which might be the fastest growing church in the midst of horrific, horrific uh, persecution, and when I look all around, and then I look in America, why don't we see God? Why don't we see God move the way we see him move around the world? And I believe that a really big part of that is what our country, what our country is, the foundation of what our country is being built on right now is this whole idea that maybe started, this is just theory, okay, with the American dream that says that we can achieve and we can gain anything and everything we want. And that's led us to have a culture where we're all consumers, right? Everything we do, we, there is a bent that we are a consumer. You look at all, we're just flooded with advertising, you know, and it's all around us. And there's always this, this dangling in front of us this dream of something better for us. And so what happens is we begin to think that we are the most important thing on planet Earth. 
And everything around me is at my fingertips, and if I work hard enough, if I have enough resources or whatever it is, I can get whatever. And so our whole mindset is we are here not necessarily, not necessarily to give or to serve or to do anything other than consume. That we, we, it's for me. And it carries over to the church. And what Dave talked about last week and what we've been talking about looking at is that so often we're a part of a church and we're, we come with this, consumer, with this consumer mentality that says that, you know what? I'm here because I get something out of this. We, we come to a service and we say, that was a good message for me today. It hit me right where I needed to be hit. And, and everything, the focus is on us. And, and, we, and we come here and we share with the body. We share, hey, we got some needs. We got some things you can serve in this way. And it's like, okay, I'll keep that in mind. Because if I can fit into my busy schedule, I'll do it. But if I can't, oh well. You know? Because what's most important is I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, my life is most important. And it's not, uh, I'm not here to condemn any, because I live in this world too. But I think what God is doing is he's changing the way we think. That, that in order for us to be the church that he's called us to be and people, that he's called us to be, we've got to change the way we think. It's not about being a consumer. That it's about being a son. It's about being a daughter. It's about being a servant of the Most High God. You know? And the privilege and the honor that we have to be such a person. And when we are in right alignment, we begin to see things we've never saw before. In Iran, it's not a consumer mindset there. Revival has started with women. And the women there are oppressed like you just wouldn't believe. And it's so horrific that I've heard of, they don't, they don't necessarily kill people there. They maim people so that they can go around as an example, what happens when you don't fall in line? And in the midst of that, look what God is doing. It's incredible. And God is calling us to something really, really, really important. And it's going to require something from us. That, that, that it's going to challenge us. And the challenge is this. That we've got to go beyond ourselves. It's not a matter of us, what can I get out of this? You know what? My family is the most important thing to me. My job is I have to raise up these kids. That is job one. Or my job, if I don't work hard at my job, I'm going to get fired, whatever it is. And, and God is saying, no, 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 no. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and everything you need for this life that I will provide for you, including your families, including your job, including everything else. 
Jesus said some crazy things, right? Jesus, your mom, your brothers are here. Oh, okay, great. Tell them I'll be right with them. It's, it's wonderful. I'm teaching here, but I'll be right with them because they're important to me. Jesus said what? Who is my mother and brothers? Who's my family? All you guys who are listening to me. It's kind of rude. Jesus said, following me requires that you hate your mother, father, family, whatever. Hate, like Jesus, tone it down. What is he saying? He's saying there's something far more important than what we actually think and know of. And here in the United States, it's even more clear and more challenging for us. Because it's so easy to put other things and say, no, God says, God provided me with this, I have to be faithful in that. That's true. But it falls under being faithful to him. And when we start sacrificing, following him for other things, warning light should go on in our minds because something is not in right alignment. And I believe that as we move forward <clears throat> to where God's calling us to go, God is going to challenge us. But man, I'm going to tell you guys, if you guys stick around and you guys take God on this challenge, he's going to do something He's going to do something beyond your wildest dreams. I promise you that. Because that's the God that we serve. Um, you know, I've been thinking about who we are and, and why we exist as a church. And it's like when I look at the world around us, how it's spinning out of control and all that, it's just so clear to me that God birthed this church for a reason, for such a time as this. And it wasn't to gather a group of people to say, the world is a mess out there. I'm, we're, we're, we're building this church as a sanctuary. Come and join us here to get away from this. No. God says, I've I, I, I birthed this church to go out and make a difference in that mess. And, and when I look, I said, you know, it's such an interesting time. We're in a season right now where God has pruned us back, and, and you know, it's such a great thing that we get to send out, such a privilege to, to send out a team to start a church that's going to, Lead people to Jesus. That's great. But it's a challenge for us. And Jesus said in John 15 too, he says, I care for the branches connected to me by lifting up and propping up the fruitless branches and pruning every branch to yield a greater harvest. And, and, and God is pruning us back Kathiros, kathiro. That's the word pruning, kathiro in the Greek. That's what Jesus said. And that word means to, to cut back. 
but it also means to cleanse, you know, cathyro. You know, when you have a, 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 a scrape and you got to peel back the dead skin and, and clean it all out. That's the word. See? Kind of remove stuff. And that's what that word comes from. And I feel like God is pruning us back, pruning us back, cleaning us up, so we can begin to walk in what he has for us. And last week, I came up at the very end as Dave was interviewing Sonny. And, uh, and, and I just thought, this just dawned, dawned on me that in 2004, we started a church. I started off with uh, illustration with uh, the Matrix and Neo, and I showed the clip about him and Morpheus and the, the two pills and pick the one and all that. And I said, God has put us here, and we're going to take this pill, and we're going to go down that rabbit hole, and wherever it goes, we're going to go. And I couldn't understand why Dave kept referring back to the Matrix. I think, bro. And then it dawned on me that whatever KCF 2.0 is, it started last week. That's when it started. That it's time to move forward. And uh, I can't tell you what it really all, KCF 2.0 is about. I can't say, hey, we're going to do this, this, this. We're not going to do this, that, that. All I know right now is it's begun, and it starts inside each one of us. It isn't an external program, and I understand why that is, because it's not an external program where we all can look at it as consumers and say, yeah, I like that, I'm in, or no, I don't like that. I'll find somewhere else. God is saying, it's going to start with us. It's going to start with you, see, because we are the church, and it's going to start inside of us, it's going to start in our heart, and the most important thing is going to be obedience, obedience. God is calling us to a season of obedience, not options, but obedience, that we are right where we are supposed to be because of our obedience. And obedience is going to move us forward. When we were contemplating starting this church, wise church planning people and all these people, everybody was saying, go west, old man, go west. Conventional wisdom is you go where the population is growing. You go there. Makes all the sense in the world. Some of the larger churches now are all on the west side. Mike Keist was one of those people who said, Mark, go west. He went west. But it's about obedience. And God said, Mark, no. Go back to Kaka'ako. What? Go back to Kaka'ako. Go back to where NGMC came from. And what? And I will show you what to do. It's about obedience. And now I look. 2004, 15 years later. Look at all the construction in this area. It's crazy. 
It's about obedience. Our obedience, your obedience, and my obedience will determine how far we will go. You know, that's what it's going to come down to. It's going to determine how far each of us personally will go. It's going to determine how much we are going to experience God, experience his presence and his power, um, we, how much we will experience what he's created us to be and to do. It comes down to obedience. And as we talk about this, sort of, we're going to touch this last chapter of the book. Um, Francis Chan had a, a short exhortation. just finished reading the entire book and my heart behind the book was that new churches would be planted all over the place man I dream of like just seeing gatherings like houses everywhere where worship is just filling these homes where it's a part of everyday life. It's, I, I really can see it. I really can see like in our country where, where there's not the separation of this one hour, two hours a week where we go to a building and do this religious thing and, and where instead it becomes this everyday life and it's just happening and, and God looks down and sees all these homes where people are breaking bread with one another and loving each other deeply where they just can't wait to gather and just call upon God and that's all they gather for is just, just because they know that, that he hears their voice and they gather just to break bread and they're in tears thinking about what an honor it is to be a part of the body of Christ and, and they're gathering because they love each other and they, they they couldn't wait to give gifts, supernatural spiritual gifts to pour into each other and where people actually love the leaders and the leaders serve the people and like it really can happen. I mean, I, I dream of it and I believe that because it's what God wants more than anything. When I read this book, it's like I really believe he's disgusted with the consumer mindset and how when we go to church, if, you know, it meets all of these expectations of ours rather than we're gathering as the church because we love each other, because you're my brother, you're my sister, and I want to serve you. I want to give to you. Be an honor to, to bless you in some way. And, and let's figure out how to reach our neighborhood and, and serve them. Let's get the gospel out there to believe that all of you have this power and we're just raising people, maturing them and sending them out to share the gospel in their workplaces or overseas, everywhere. I believe this can happen. I believe it's starting to happen. And we're seeing these movements in other places in the world. I'm just going, why not us? And so as you come to the end of this, I hope you don't just jump into another study now and go, okay, now what do you want to do next? But that you seriously consider what is God calling us to do with the bride? It could be that you gathered a bunch of friends 
to go through this series together and God is looking at you and saying, is this a church now? Are you going to become a church? Are you going to pursue everything that I've called the church to be? All I'm asking you to do is take this so, so seriously. Remember what I said in that first week about how we don't want to put limitations on what we are willing to sacrifice for his bride. Again, now that we're at the end, once again, surrender everything, saying, God, anything, anywhere, any amount of money, any amount of time, any amount of suffering for your bride. Start there and then say to the Lord, what would you have us do? We're going to look really quick at this chapter and and really what it is. This whole series, this whole book, God has given us a, a vision. God has given us a picture for what he wants us to be here at KCF. And I've been reading this past week and there was a passage that just jumped out. I mean, you know, you know when you read the Bible, some passages jump out. Well, there's one that just jumped out in the, in the book of Romans. And I just felt like God would say, Mark, that's it. Okay. Pray for this. This is a picture of what KCF, KCF 2.0, this is what I'm calling you to be. And so we're going to look at that really quick. So the first thing is this. KCF 2.0 is, is where every person in the body of Christ is surrendering themselves as a living and holy sacrifice to God. Okay. That's where it begins. Every person in the body surrendering themselves as a living and holy sacrifice to God. That is why God has led for, for Sonny to go lead worship with the children on Sundays, because it includes them. Children need to see themselves as living and holy sacrifices to God. In Romans 12.1, Therefore, Paul is saying, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice that's acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Or, you know, maybe even more, a more graphic way in, in, in the, the Passion Translation, it says this, Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to what? To surrender yourselves to God, to be his sacred living sacrifices. Live in holiness, experiencing all that delights God's heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. And God is calling us all to totally surrender to him in everything and in every way. To make our lives this living sacrifice. When was the last time you sacrificed for God? And sacrifice is, is something that is meaningful to you that you give up. See, sacrifice isn't, oh man, I'm full, I had enough pizza, I'm going to sacrifice the rest of the pizza for someone else. That's not a sacrifice. A sacrifice is something that is meaningful. And, and to make our lives a living sacrifice is a call to all of us to live our lives in such a radically different way from the rest of the world. Yeah. 
that choosing to surrender in obedience to God should look so different from what you see around you. It's like going against the flow. It's making your highest priority obedience to God's word. You know, that, that is giving to God every part of our lives, not just what we think we can afford or time that we think we have, but it's giving to God everything. And when we live in such a way, when we live in such a way, we delight God's heart. You bring pleasure to God. And, and not only that, we demonstrate to the world that God is really worth following. You see, so often when people see the church, they don't really get why, why, why people would, would choose God. Over the years, you know, I've, I've heard people say to me things like, honestly, I don't see the benefit <clears throat> of church and God. It doesn't even seem like a big deal to the people who are Christians. Oof. Or, you know, I hear stuff like, I'm really busy. And there are so much more important and beneficial things to spend my time doing. Like, oh. And, and when I hear that, there's a part of me that wants to get really defensive. You know, and defend the church. But there's also a part of me that that I think they got a point. They got a point. That when I look at the church, is there really a difference? Is there really a difference? That, that is a difference striking that what the church is all about and what the world is all about. And the answer to that question should be a resounding yes. It's like apples and oranges. It's like totally different. And when I look at this passage in Roman, Paul is telling us that, man, guys, you got to make a decision. you got to make a decision to, to surrender to God, to move beyond yourself. Because when you do, it demonstrates to everyone else that, that God is worth following, right? Romans 12, 2. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed how? By the renewing of your mind. And then it says this, that this struck me. It says, so that you may prove. So that you may prove. Prove what? To who? When, when we are transformed, when we are not conformed to the world, we prove something. We show something to be real, to be true. We prove that the will of, what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. When we, when we choose to stop trying to conform to this world, and we choose instead to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, going against the flow, stepping out and, and, and living in obedience to Christ, what we do is we, exp we experience the reason we are alive. We have been created. We experience all that. And not only that, we show the people around us that God is really God. And, and he is and he does what he says. He, he is totally worth following. 
I can't tell you how much people that I talk to who say to me, I'll make a difference. The church is just for people who need a crutch. You know, I'm doing fine. And it's like, the truth is they don't see a difference. They don't see a difference. They don't see what the difference is. All they see is that the only difference is, is you guys have less fun than we do, and you have less time because you've got to do all this church stuff. And God is saying, not supposed to be, not supposed to be that way. That there's supposed to be something there that proves that what I say is true. And that if you live the way that I've designed to live, and it is exciting, it is amazing. That's what we prove. The will of God. God is calling us to obey the greatest commandment, to love God and to love others as ourselves, as we surrender all of ourselves to God. And so it starts off with obedience. It starts off with a church that is just surrendering ourselves to God. And then, second thing, real quick, is that KCF is to be a family of God characterized by his love and unity where every person is experiencing and demonstrating God's love in action. Long, messed up sentence. We're a family characterized by love and unity where every single person is experiencing and demonstrating God's love in action. And the Apostle Paul goes on in Romans 12 to give a picture of what a church that does that looks like. And it can pretty much be summarized in two areas, key areas, love and unity. Love and unity. Okay? So, real quick. God's love is demonstrated in the attitude and actions of every person. A church that is following God like that, like this, they're experiencing God's love and is being demonstrated in the attitudes and actions of every person. What you see? A loving humility toward others. Humility instead of self-seeking and judgmentalism. You just see people just humbling themselves toward others. Romans 12.3, this is what goes on. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each one of you. And loving God's way, in God's way, is always thinking about others. It's just lowering your opinion about yourself. It's this humility that is part of this culture. Not only that, there is a heart in this culture. There's a heart to give and to serve. It isn't just, what am I going to get? What am I going to get? It's like, now, what can I do to give? What can I do to serve? In, in every person is doing their part. And, and together, man, we're just seeing some amazing things as people are giving and serving. In Romans 6, uh, 12, verse 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. Um, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, by all means serve. If it's teaching, then you know what? Go and teach. If it's to encourage, give encouragement. If it's, if it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love is giving what we have 
from who we are. And when we are, you know, because we're all different. We all have different things to give. And when every person is giving what they have, we experience God's love in the body. Some of us, oh, we have mercy, you know, just oozing out of our pores. We all need mercy. There are people who just love to serve. There are people who teach. You know, when everybody's doing their part, you know, out of love for the body, I tell you what, we're a healthy body. We're a healthy body. Not only that, love is seen and experienced and expressed with, through compassion to the hurting. That in a body in a church like this, People who are hurting receive compassion. Verse 12, rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Uh, Romans 12, 15, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. In other words, nobody suffers alone. Nobody suffers alone. You know, that, that everyone is praying for each other, and looking to help each other. Right? Nobody's alone. You're hurting, people come around and say, what's going on? And they want to help. They do whatever they can uh, to help. Rejoicing with those who rejoice. Yay! You know, when people are going through a tough time. I'll give you a quick, quick example. I got it. I got to give you Dave Oyaramare spoke last week. He's part of our teaching team. His wife, Tammy, is a key leader in our church. Right now. Right now. And, and Laurie and, uh, is Tammy's sister, Kevin's brother-in-law. Right now, Dave's mom, not doing so good. Body's kind of shutting down. It's a tough time for them. Tammy's, both of Tammy's parents are going to um, this physical challenges, you know, cancer, these kinds of things. When I look with realistic eyes, this time next year, this family might lose all their living parents within one year, maybe less. It's a challenging time. God is a mark. They're part of the body. What do you do? What can you do? Oh God, I don't know if I got time. No matter if I got time. What can we do? They're not the only ones. Some of you are going through challenging times. The church that God's calling us to be is a church that experiences and it expresses God's love and compassion to people who are hurting and in need. That's what love is all about. Okay? It's also kindness to the hurtful. Okay? This is a tough one. It's kindness to the hurtful. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Verse 19, don't take revenge, but leave room for God's wrath. What is written is mine to avenge. God's going to take care of that. What do we do instead? On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, tell him too bad. If he's thirsty, bummers. No. It says, hungry, feed him. Thirsty, give him something to drink. 
Yeah, that's what he's saying. In other words, what Alan, Pastor Alan Cardenas says, we got to bless no blasts. That's what it's all about. That even our enemies, people who are criticizing you, don't blast, don't blast them. Bless them. That's love. It's, it's living out the love we have received from God. We love each other unconditionally. It's love that focuses on others, not ourselves. It's love that gives. It sacrifices. It gives from what God has given to us. That's love. Love is not me, me, me. Love is we, we, we. Okay? Not only that, we need to see God's love, but Paul is saying there's something else. It's God's unity that's demonstrated in the midst of great diversity. It's God's unity that is demonstrated in the midst of great diversity. Everybody is devoted to loving, honoring, and valuing every person in the body. Everybody's different. It's not the point of church to make everybody the same. As wonderful as it would be to have a church filled of mini-me's, that, that, that would be awesome to me. You know, for John Skadelsky to say, I want to be like Mark. I mean, that would be like a dream come true, but that's not what it's all about. John's got to be John. Even if he likes the Dallas whatevers. Okay? It's unity in the midst of great diversity. Romans 12, 4. For just as each of us have one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so it is with Christ, though many... We form one body, and each member belongs to one another, to the others. Verse 9, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. It's a unity that comes out of our devotion to God and to each other in a culture where everybody's honored and valued. Do you feel valued in the body of Christ? We should all feel valued. There's no such thing as I'm just a whatever. No, we're all important. We're all valuable. And in a body that is following Jesus the way we need to, that's what it looks like. It's a body in which everyone is enthusiastically serving. They're serving God. Everyone's just enthusiastic. Verse 11, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. It's a unity where everyone is going and serving and doing their part. And it's not out of obligation or anything like that. It's like, man, you know what? I, I, I do this. I want to I serve the body in such a way. I'm going to do this. And everybody's excited about what they can give and bring to the body. And they're serving enthusiastically. And there's a unity that we're all getting stronger. We're all getting better because everybody's doing their part. And then not only that. It's a unity where no one is left out or outcast. Yeah. It's so easy to say, hey, you know what? And, and people are left out. And Romans 16 says, live in harmony with one another. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be, do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. Right? It's like, God has brought all of us here. And we all are important. And it's not like someone is more important than someone else. That everybody is important. And especially when we go and we say, man. And we lift up someone who 
doesn't seem important at all in the world. They've been outcasts left out in the world. And they come here and we say, no, you're important. We lift them up. We're the body. We're the body. That's the unity that God is giving to us. That he's wanting us to live. Everyone is choosing to live God's way in peace. There's a unity where all of us are united to live God's way in peace. Verse 17, don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. You've got to live righteously, it says. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. Not easy, right? There are people that's like, man, they irritate you. In fact, Mark, you irritate me. You know, whatever. I, you know? And it's, it's a matter of just saying, you know what? We've got to live together in unity. That's why me and Neil Murakami get along. You know? Right? I'm good and smart and wonderful. Neil is Neil. And, but we get along. Right? We met yesterday. for We had a lunch date yesterday. Neil wanted a lunch date. So I said, okay, we'll have a lunch date. Went to his office. In the world, I don't know if Neil and I would be friends. We probably wouldn't even know each other. We, we're in different, we're in, stop, we're in, we're in different circles, but God's brought us together. That's the unity that God has. That's what God is calling us to be. It's to be a church that is like a family. And I think about that. You think about it. What I just read, wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be amazing? That, that as I read this, I've read this chapter over and over and over again. And it felt like God was saying to you, Mark, take note. Visualize KCF being a church characterized by my love and unity. A church that experiences my presence and my power. Where everyone is valued and honored. Where everyone is important. Where everybody is going out and demonstrating my love to the world. Visualize a church like that. Because that's a church where everyone surrenders and we make a difference. And when I think about a church living out Romans 12, I ask myself, who wouldn't want to be a part of a church like that? Who wouldn't want to be? At the very, very least, people would be curious or intrigued about a group that is living in such a way in obedience to their God, and it's so different from every, anywhere else, that is going to be intriguing to them, you see? That not everyone would jump to join in, but they're going to have to admit that, that a church that is living out what they believe, that the world will see that church as a church that is taking God at his word, who love their God with a passion, who's choosing to surrender their lives in obedience to him, a, ch- a church that loves each other with sincerity and a devotion unseen anywhere else, a church that is a reflection of the Savior in which they are sharing with the world. And who wouldn't want to be a part of a church like that? You see, KCF 2.0, is all about real life, real people, real challenges, and real answers because there's a real God who loves them 
with a real love. And that's what God is calling us to be. He wants us to be a shining example of that. He wants everybody here to experience that. That, 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 that he wants us to demonstrate his love to the world. That we're not just talking. We're not just pointing fingers. We're not saying, don't do this, don't. What we're saying is we're following Jesus, we surrender to him, and this is our lives. That's what KCF 2.0 is about. And over the next couple weeks, that I'm just going to share as much as I know, which isn't much, you know, about what God wants us to be and steps he wants us to take. Just simple steps at the beginning where he wants us to go. But it starts. It starts with obedience. It starts with obedience. All of us making a decision to surrender, to put Jesus here, ourselves, family, kids, job, whatever else, below that. That's surrendering. It's a choice. We, that's a choice we need to make. I can't make that for you. You can't make it for me. But let's encourage us, each other. Obedience is what it's going to take. Love and unity is what God wants us to demonstrate. And the world will see that, man, you know what? That Jesus, he is worth following because I see it in this place called Kakaka Christian Fellowship. I want you to stand. Sing the song. And as you sing, I just pray. Let it be a song where you worshiping and say, God, as scary as it sounds, as much as I know, I'm choosing to surrender to you. All right? Starts with us surrendering to you. I pray you would give us the faith, you would give us the grace, you would give us the courage to truly surrender to you. And Father, I pray that as people take that step to surrender, you would encourage them in an unmistakable way. I pray that this week, right now, today, would be the beginning of an amazing season and adventure for all of us here. Make us the church that you have called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.